Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. As tensions along the Ukrainian border continue to escalate, where are things headed? What role should the U.S. play? How is the administration? Uh, moving things forward. Where does Congress fit into all of that? Uh, we're going to dive into all of that uh, with Utah Second Congressional Representative Chris Stewart. And uh, of course, uh, Representative Stewart is also on the House Intelligence Committee, critical part of uh, a lot of these things. Uh, Representative, thanks for joining us today. Always great to be with you, Boyd. Thanks. It's a beautiful day here in Utah. It's always a, it's always a good day here in Utah. And uh, we're glad you're here for the day. And we know you're uh, constantly getting updates and things as it relates to what's going on in Ukraine. And uh, as you look at it broadly, first, uh, Congressman, uh, what are some of the things that you are noticing that maybe we're not talking about as much that we should be talking about? Well, uh, I I think there's probably a couple things. When I've talked with people and media and others about this issue, I mean, I'm I'm asked all the time and have been for, you know, several weeks now or longer, you know, do you think Vladimir Putin is actually going to do this? And and, you know, our, our insight into this is better than it's ever been. And, and it's, I think, pretty clear that it's, it's his intention. In fact, I would even go so far to say that if he doesn't actually invade the Ukraine with, you know, a, a, an enormous military effort, probably a three-pronged invasion, it will be because he changed his mind, not because he was faking. He wasn't fainting on this. I mean, this is, uh, the, the indications are just so clear that he, he's, was going to do this and probably still is going to do that. So then the, the questions that, you know, we're grappling with as Americans are, Boyd, well, does it matter? Is it important? And and I would I, I am not suggesting and I would not suggest that we send American ground forces or American military forces to defend Ukraine. They're not a member of NATO. We don't have the same treaty obligations that we do with other NATO allies or Western European allies. But on the other hand, Boyd, we can't just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's too bad. Uh, you know, that's kind of kind of a bummer for the Ukrainian people and just go about our day. It's important for us to signal to Vladimir Putin and to President Xi and to other tyrants around the world, hey, we will make this painful for you. We won't allow you to do this with impunity. And, uh, and that's what the president has to do. And he's been slow to do it so far. And, and, and I hope and, and pray that he will be more aggressive, because if he would be more aggressive, I think he could prevent this invasion that we're all so worried about. Yeah, and I think that's a, a vital part of that is uh, everyone is watching, including China, 
uh, and all the things that are, are happening in, in that part of the world. And so certainly they're, they're taking a look at, you know, will the U.S. play the role of uh, the unarmed English Bobby, Bobby saying stop or will yell stop again? Or w- will it be painful uh, for Vladimir Putin, who has a host of issues in his own country? Uh, and yeah. we'll, if we're just rewarding bad behavior or enabling him to uh, to do things, what else do you sense, Congressman, in terms of uh, things inside Ukraine? Uh, what are they feeling? Are they more? I've heard some reports saying they're more worried about just the tanks coming across the border. Some are saying, "Hey, you know what? They're worried about all the other things the the agents that are within the government uh, or setting up uh, someone who would be sympathetic to, or pro Russian uh, into the government." What are you hearing in terms of that kind of intel? Yeah, it's a really interesting change. I mean, uh, Putin went into Crimea and into the Donetsk region, the eastern regions of Ukraine, with very little upcry from the international community. I mean, there was some, but not much. And, you know, people say, well, is Russia going to invade Ukraine? I mean, the reality is, is they've already done that. There's been a war in eastern Ukraine for the last six years. And 13,000 people have died in that war. So this is, you know, an enormous expansion of that. But they're already at war, technically, in in the eastern region. Uh, But there's something that has changed. And that is, you know, Vladimir Putin could go into Ukraine, which was there were many, many ethnic Russians there, people who spoke Russian, went to Russian schools and identified as Russians. That's not true any longer of the Ukraine broadly. And one of the interesting things that we've been able to kind of analyze and to measure is how how do you, how do the Ukrainian people respond to this? And the reality is is they're going to they're going to respond uh, respond forcefully to this. I think the thing that Vladimir Putin fears most, and I'm confident of this, and it's one thing the president could do that maybe would dissuade him from committing of uh, moving forward on this invasion, and that is to say we will arm and assist the resistance. And again, I think that's the one thing that Vladimir Putin is most afraid of. Hundreds of Russian soldiers coming home in body bags for month after month after month after the military uh, exercise is over, but as they're trying to occupy the Ukraine. Mm. And it really is one of the points, the pressure points that we could push that would hopefully change his mind and make him think, I don't want to lose the support of my own people, and the Russian people are not going to support a long, protracted engagement like they had in, say, for example, Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, Some of the other things that we've been tracking and would love your perspective on, Congressman, uh, it seems like one of the things that Vladimir Putin is is doing is just he's testing all the places where he can, you know, wreak havoc and division, even within NATO. uh, Clearly, uh, Germany is in a different spot than they've been in a while, very dependent on uh, the energy and and, uh, natural gas uh, from from Russia. Uh, Is Vladimir Putin succeeding in creating division uh, with with Western allies? Yeah, unfortunately, he is, although I don't think to the extent that he hoped, but he clearly has. I mean, because Germany's been on a different uh, page than has many of the other members of NATO and, and the United States. And by the way, shame on the administration for putting us in this position. A little more than a year ago, we were net exporters of oil and gas. And we could have gone to Germany and said, hey, if they cut off the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which, by the way, the previous administration did everything they could to persuade Germany and other, uh, other Western European nations not, to, not to, uh, to complete the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. But they did. 
And, you know, ironically, one of the first things this president did was he comes in and shuts down our own pipeline. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know what I'm talking about there. While he goes ahead and reverses policy and greenlights the Nord Stream pipeline. And so we no longer have that kind of arrow in our quiver where we could help Western Europe in some of their energy needs. They are more dependent on Russia for their energy needs. And that that does divide us. But look, Vladimir Putin's objective, as well as expanding his own kind of buffer and his own power base, is always to weaken the West, to weaken democracies, to make the United States look foolish or weak or inept, as does President Xi, by the way, and, and, and many of the other adversaries that we're facing right now. If they can find a way to embarrass the United States, again, to make us look weak, they're going to do that. And, uh, and we'll see how this plays out. But it can't be like we saw in Afghanistan, where the U.S. just looks completely inept, completely unable to defend their own interest and, uh, and unable to influence things on a global scale like a national or a global leader has to do. Yeah, I think that is uh, so vital. The administration really does have to lean into this and uh, they've got to get much better at uh, turning over the information quickly. They, they just seem to be slow in processing and deciding and acting and communicating. And uh, I think that's going to be a big piece, uh, big piece of that puzzle. Uh, Chris Stewart, 2nd Congressional District, a congressman from here in the state of Utah on the Intelligence Committee. Always appreciate your perspective and we'll continue to watch this closely as we th see things play out in Ukraine and Russia. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, sir. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. And when we come back, Nancy Pelosi has announced uh, her run for re-election. Have we made it so politicians are irreplaceable? And is that right? I think not. We'll talk about it coming up next. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.